Sunday here worshiping the Lord. Don't you just love our worship team? Come on, give them a big round of applause. They do such a great job. Brynn and the team, a great job every single week. I want to thank all of our volunteers. I, I, I had the opportunity I had the opportunity to, to, to go back in the back, uh, in, the, in the nursery, in the toddler area, just to kind of wish them luck because there's quite a few kids back there. Um, and, and, and they're just having a great time worshiping the Lord. As we were worshiping, all of our nursery toddler kids are worshiping the Lord right there. It was just amazing. And I know across the street, our young people are in for a great time. They've got it all set up uh, for all of our, our, our school-age children today. It's going to be a great, great time. Thank you for, for being here, choosing to be with us this Sunday on Easter Sunday to worship the Lord. Give yourselves a big round of applause this morning. Amen. If you're here and you, you, you desire to give, uh, we don't make a big deal of that here at Elevate Ministries, but there are several ways that you can do that. There's envelopes under the chairs. Um, if you're desiring to give with cash or you, you, you like to write a check, you can, you can use that envelope. And then on your way out, there's some giving boxes that are lit up. Just drop your envelope right in there. If you choose to give electronically, um, you can do that um, either by texting easy one two three to seven seven nine seven seven so in the memo line you put easy one two three and you text that to the number seven seven nine seven seven and then you just follow the prompts and uh you can you can just you can give that way or right right on our app uh, if you haven't downloaded the elevate ministries app i encourage you to do that uh you can follow along with sermon notes there's all kinds of content in there for you and uh, we'd love for you to do that so so praise how many came on good friday i mean let me see the hands what an amazing time that we had on Good Friday. We were in the amphitheater. Um, our worship team was, was worshiping the Lord, and, and uh, we, we partook in communion together. And, you know, a lot of times I remember as a kid thinking about Good Friday, and I, I, I just never understood why we would call that good. Like, like someone, someone innocent and never done anything wrong is, is forced to, to subject themselves to the worst form of capital punishment imaginable. And, uh, and, 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 and we're calling that good. And so it just didn't make a whole lot of sense. But when you realize that what took place on that day, on Good Friday, that, that there was literally an exchange that took place, that Jesus took our sins, right? And in exchange, we got his righteousness. When you understand that, you know it's good. You know it's good. So all of you that were here for Good Friday, good on you. So glad that you were here, part of that. Every time we get together in the amphitheater, it's an amazing, amazing time. We have David and Renee here, right smack dab in the middle. I want to focus our attention on they got married yesterday. Yeah, they got married yesterday. How cool is that? And they're here Easter Sunday. They said, we wouldn't miss Easter Sunday for the world. And so, so congratulations to you two. And uh, you're glowing this morning. And uh, we're grateful that you're here. We're going to release our children to, to the classes across the street. You guys have a blast. And uh, we're going to get right into it this morning. How many ready for the word of God today? Oh, come on. How many ready for the word of God today? I'll be honest with you. Can I be honest with you guys for a second? Grab a hold of this. You know, Easter is one of those Sundays that's, that's kind of difficult for pastors, and I'm gonna explain why. Because, because you have a lot of different people that are here. You have people that come to church uh, for the first time. And so I wanna just say right out the gate, if you're here for the very first time or you're joining us on the live stream, we just wanna welcome you. We, we wanna welcome any, time, any, any person you're here for the first time. We're so glad you're here. But we realize that sometimes people come for the first time or even attend church for the first time, they don't have a whole lot of biblical knowledge. And so it's kind of a weird place for a pastor to be because you don't wanna to do, be too confusing for people. And then, then you have people that are here every week. How many come to church every week? Come on. We have people that are here every single week. You know, it's like this every week. We worship the Lord just like this every week. We celebrate the resurrection every week. And, and, and the people that are here, there's people here today that are on their edge of their seat. How many on the edge of your seat this morning? Because they're, they're waiting for God to give them something, hoping for some the word that they can take and marinate on all throughout the week. And, and then you have other people that are here today, and you just can't wait for me to be finished so you can go eat. I know there's people like that, all right? There's people here today, and you're just thinking, man, I just want to, you know, get this over with, and uh, I, 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 got some, I want to go eat and celebrate Easter that way. So it's hard for a pastor, really, to make everyone happy. And so, and so it's kind of like, like, like a little bit of a conundrum. So as I was putting this message together, the one word that, that I, couldn't, I couldn't get out of my mind was the word undefeatable. Say undefeatable. 
undefeatable. Because, because, because when you think about Easter and you think about the resurrection, when I think about our God and when I think about our Savior, the word that comes to mind is undefeatable. Jesus is undefeatable. Death could not hold him. The grave couldn't keep him down. Jesus is undefeatable. So maybe you've come to church this morning, and I don't know how you could come and not see, man, there's some people that are pretty excited for God here today. I don't know, you, you probably come in here, you see people jumping up and down, lifting their voices and lifting their hands, and you've got, you got the worship team just kind of going nuts up here, lights and all this stuff happening, and, and you're kind of wondering, like, I thought, you know, why is church this way? Why are people, you know, so enthusiastic? Why, what have I walked into this morning? But you have to realize that when someone is born again, what happens to them is they, they are given an undefeatable spirit. And that is worth celebrating. Now, being undefeatable does not mean you're going to be uncontested. I'll say that again. Being undefeatable doesn't mean that you'll go uncontested. It doesn't mean, uh, being undefeatable doesn't mean you're not going to face trials, that you're not going to have some hardship, that you're, you're never going to go through a storm. That's not what it means. We know that Jesus, he took his disciples through storms all the time. All right, there's one particular occasion, Jesus is, he's, he's on the boat with his disciples and, and you gotta remember his disciples were experienced fishermen, all right? It was their job. Jesus is like, I was a carpenter, I'm gonna take a nap down below. And, and uh, so the Bible says that all of a sudden a, a storm came up on the, on, on, on waves were beaten and wind was howling and, and all of a sudden the, the boat started to take on water. So you can picture the 12 disciples of Jesus, they're grabbing anything that they could possibly get to just throw, they're bailing water that's what they're doing they're just bailing water meanwhile Jesus is asleep in the in the bottom of the boat and one of the disciples is like man get Jesus out here we're, we're perishing so they, they go down below they wake Jesus up and Jesus what are you doing like like we're going under you're sleeping come on take this bucket help us help us bail some water and Jesus says I got a better plan than that he he yawns he stretches he says peace be still all of a sudden in instantaneously all of a sudden there's 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 a calm a great calm over the water the wind stopped speak stop 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 howling and and because Jesus had an undefeatable spirit undefeatable spirit the good news is that when you're a born-again believer, when Christ comes inside, the Bible tells us in Romans that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is now dwelling in you. He's gonna bring to life your mortal bodies. In other words, when you give your life to Christ, you also have an undefeatable spirit. Are you with me today? Now the problem is this, is that so few people actually lay hold of this truth. So few people ever actually access the power that I'm talking about today, this undefeatable power, this undefeatable spirit that is available, that Christ gives, and that's what I wanna talk about with you today. And so I'm gonna do that in the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 17. If you have your, if you have your Bibles, you can open up to that. You, you, know, you can follow along with the app, and we'll put the words for you on the screen. But Exodus chapter 17. Now, most of you are thinking right now, if you've been in church for any length of time, I've gone to a lot of Easter Sundays, Never in my life, on Easter Sunday, have they asked us to open the Bible to the book of Exodus. But I'm gonna tell you something, the Bible is written in two parts. You have the Old Testament and you have the New Testament. The Old Testament is Jesus concealed, Jesus hidden. The New Testament is Jesus revealed. And so, so literally the entire Bible is the story of Jesus. In the Old Testament, you just gotta look a little bit harder. And so, so Jesus concealed in the Old Testament isn't God trying to hide Jesus from us. He's put him there for us, for us to discover. And, and so one of the things that I'm constantly trying to do is to find Jesus throughout the Bible. And he's in the Old Testament. He's just concealed. We've got to find him. Amen. And so, so in Exodus chapter 17... Well, there's a story in verse eight, and I want you, if you can, with me, let's find Jesus in this story, okay? So the Bible says that now Am Amalek. Now, what you need to understand, the Amalekites are the enemy of God. They're, they're a nation that hates God's people. They're, 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 they're a group of giants. And the Bible says that they came and they attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Rephidim means the valley of giants. And so you've got these giants from Amalek They've come to the valley of giants to take on God's people. 
So Moses gets with Joshua and says, choose some men and let's go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow, I'm gonna stand at the top of the hill. Say top of the hill. I'm gonna be at the top of the hill and I'm gonna have the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said, and he fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. Verse 11, the Bible says, and so it was that when Moses held up his hand, that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands became heavy. And so they took a stone and they put it under him and he sat on it. And then Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and one on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Great story, isn't that a great story? Hebrews chapter seven, verse 25. I just wanna add this piece to it. Hebrews seven twenty-five from the New Testament says, therefore, he is also able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede. Say intercede. To intercede for them. Intercede means to, to plead out or cry out on behalf of. So you may be thinking this is a strange text. It has nothing to do with the resurrection story. How are we doing this on Easter? Why would we be talking about a battle from the Old Testament? I actually asked our resident artist here at Elevate Ministries, actually, actually is an is a, uh, employee of Disneyland, draws for them all the time. I asked him to help me this week. Is that cool? And so he drew a picture of the battle that I just talked about. Why don't you go ahead and throw that up on the screen for us? And throw it up. There it is right there. And so isn't that great? He did that this week. All right. Good job, Brian. So, so the picture is this, is Moses goes up on the mountain and Joshua is down in the valley to fight. And, and it's the valley of Rephidim, it's the valley of giants. And so literally Joshua's got a few men and they've gone into a valley to take on the Amalekites, these giants. And so here's the battle plan. Moses comes to Joshua and says, all right, the battle plan is this. I'm gonna go up on the mountain. There's nobody to fight up there, but I'm gonna go up on the mountain and I'm gonna have the rod of God in my hand and I'm gonna lift it up and I'm gonna intercede for you as you're in the valley. And, and so you know how the story read it today, that as he holds the, the rod up high, the Israelites are kicking butt. The Israelites are taken over. They're, they're, they're taking ground, but, but as his his arms get weary and tired and begin to lower. All of a sudden, the Amalekites begin to prevail. There was, there was a real physical battle that was going on in the valley. It was real hand-to-hand -hand combat. There, were, there was a real war taking place. And it, was, it, was, it was so real. There were people dying. It was a tough battle, right? But there also was a real spiritual component to that fight. It wasn't just a physical battle taking place in the valley. There was also a spiritual component that was taking place on the mountain. And I'm here today to tell you that there's a spiritual component to your life. That every one of us, there's a grind. Every one of us understand what a battle is in life. There's a grind to our, to our daily existence. There's, there's a battle that we've got to get up every day and we, we've got to get after it. And, and a lot of times what you, what you begin to think is that the way to get ahead and the way to succeed is just to work harder and just to, just to work, work longer. The problem is, if that's how you attack life, you're gonna wear yourself out. People do it all the time and develop all kinds of issues trying to take on life that way. They have all kinds of problems because their thinking is this, I can do this all by myself. Like, I can fight this thing in my own strength. But here's the thing, it doesn't work. It doesn't work, and too many people try to fight spiritual battles with their natural ability. Most, re most people never realize that the victory actually takes place on the top of the mountain and then it's realized in the valley. Are, are you seeing that today? It's bought on the mountaintop and then it's received in the valley. So Moses, he goes up on the mountain, he's lifting up the rod of God because he understands there's a spiritual dimension to the battle and there's a spiritual dimension to your life. Everyone, you need to understand this. There is a spiritual dimension to your life and here's the thing, there's also a power that's accessible to you. Moses knows this. That's why he's up on the mountain and he's fighting, he's interceding 
in the spiritual dimension. And thankfully, he's got Aaron and her there to help lift his hands up. And we know that the result of this battle that was taking place on the top of the mountain, that there was a, a victory that was experienced in the valley. You know, the, the Bible is full of fascinating stories just like that. How many of you have ever taken time just to read the Bible? You know, I was talking to a young man right after our first service this morning. He told me, man, I just got done reading Genesis. And he was so excited because, because God's word is beginning to be opened up to him. And you open up Genesis, and it's a story of God's creation. The first, first thing you start to read is the magnificent creation of God. How many know it's amazing what God's created? You just look around the room and just realize, oh my God, God is, he's so amazing. But, 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 but you begin to read about, about God's creation. He created man and woman, and he created all that we are able to see and, and be a part of. And then you get to chapter 3. And you see Satan kind of enter this, into the scene in the form of a serpent. He goes to Eve and he tricks her. He deceives her and he, and, and he, and he gets her to, to, to disobey God and, and, and eat the forbidden fruit from the, from the tree of the knowledge of good, good and evil. And, and then as she does that, the Bible says that her eyes are open. All of a sudden, she, she, she begins to realize, I'm sinful. I, I, I've disobeyed God. And so, so she hides from God. She, she, she makes clothes so she can hide herself. And, and then you flip the, flip, the, flip the page in chapter four, things get worse. Bible tells us they have two boys, Cain and Abel, two wonderful boys. And Cain is the oldest and, and Abel is, is the youngest. And, and the Bible says that Cain brings an offering to the Lord that God's not pleased with. It's kind of like an afterthought offering. He kind of presents God his, his you know, a, kind of a whatever offering. And, and then Abel gives his very best. And so God, God hits up Cain and says, man, that, that wasn't good enough. Maybe it's time you should rethink your life a little bit. What's going on with your life? And, and, and God says to him, if you do well, in chapter four, verse seven, if you do well, won't you be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door and its desire is for you. So God kind of, kind of is trying to shake Cain up, but Cain doesn't listen to God. Instead, he, he lures his brother out into a field and kills him. He kills Abel right out, he strikes his brother down. And so God comes to, to Cain again and said, Abel, he, he says, Cain, where's your brother Abel? And Cain, you know the story, he says, he says, am I my brother's keeper? And God's like, yes. If you're not your brother's keeper, who is? Like you're the only people on the planet. If you don't care what happens to your brother, who is? Right? I mean, there's going to be chaos. If you don't take care of your brother, we're going to have murder and rape and war and violence and killing. God's like, I need you to be your brother's keeper. By the way, Cain, where is your brother? I know you've murdered your brother, Cain. And Cain asked this question. I want you to grab a hold of this. Cain says, well, God, how do, how do you know? And God says, the voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. I want you to think about this because we're gonna come back to this later on. The voice of your brother's blood, because this innocent man who was righteous before God was murdered, God could hear the cry of his blood from the ground, justice, justice. I want to read one more scripture with you, and then we'll try and figure this all out. John chapter 12, Jesus says these words. He says, I tr truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains a single seed. But if it dies, it will produce much grain. Now, with all of this kind of hanging there, we've done three, three stories here today. With all this hanging there, I'm going to try and tie this all together. And by the look on your face, you're absolutely confused. What, where have I come on Easter? I can't believe this. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name, bring clarity to our minds. Help us to figure this out together. In Jesus' name, amen. I love the story. And we'll put that picture back up there. I love this story of Moses up on the mountain and Joshua fighting in the valley. Now, what you're gonna notice as you go through life, and I'm sure you've noticed this already, that you're gonna fight some battles. Anybody fought some battles in here, all right? There's gonna be various struggles that you're gonna have to deal with. And, and usually when you have struggles and battles in life, there's, there's, a little bit of, 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 there's a little bit of problems and resistance 
residual that kind of that you kind of see take place. That's why so many people are struggling with addiction and so many people are struggling with fear and phobias and hopelessness. Every one of us, at one point or another in our lives, we're gonna end up in the valley. We're gonna be in the middle of a fight. Do you know what I'm talking about? There's gonna be a battle that's gonna rage. It's gonna be a battle for your family. How many have experienced that? It's gonna be a battle for your heart. It's gonna be a battle for your finances. There's gonna be a battle in your life. Now, I've been pastoring for, for, for 25 years. I know it's hard to believe because you look, like, you look at me and you think, 25 years old, you know, but, but really, it's been 25 years. And, and what I've learned over, the, over this time is that every human being needs deliverance. Every, every one of us, it doesn't matter what background you're from, how low down you, how, how low down your background was, all the, all the things you had wrong. It doesn't matter if you, were, if you were born into a great family. Every person, every person, every human being needs some saving. Every human being needs some encouragement. Everybody needs some help from time to time. You know what I'm talking about. Everybody faces challenges from time to time, and I think everyone here knows what I'm talking about. Like everyone here understands that. And, 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 but, but here's the thing. There are gonna be times in your life where you're going along just fine. Everything seems great. Everything seems fine. And, 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 and we also are gonna have times where, where we're going through life and if something can go wrong, it will. There's gonna be times where we end up in the wrong place at the wrong time. You know what I'm talking about. Like, like there's gonna be times where, where there's no explanation for the tragedy that strikes. It's just gonna come upon you. And I think we all understand that there's a dark power in the world today. We, we noticed that just this week here in the city of Orange. It was a mass shooting. Multiple murders happened less than a mile away from my house. There's dark forces at work in our world. But I'm, I'm here today to tell you that, that there also is a power that's good. That there's a God that is good. And there's an undefeatable spirit that God wants to give us in the midst of our battle. He wants to give it to you and I. And here's the thing, when you receive Jesus into your life, you don't, you don't, you don't just join some sort of religious group. The Bible says you become born again. Say that with me, born again. Jesus didn't die to start a new religion. He died so that you could have everlasting life. And you know, I'm not talking about everlasting life, meaning you know, someday when we die and we're up in the clouds and we're just gonna ooh la la in heaven forever, eternity, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about right here, right now, God wants to give you life, life more abundantly. He wants to place power inside of you, amen. Now, if the devil was smart, he never would have killed Jesus. Let me tell you why. Because, because the Bible describes, God describes, Jesus describes himself as the word. Jesus was the word. Jesus is the word of God. In Matthew chapter 13, Jesus is actually describing himself. He says, the son sows seed. The seed is a word from heaven. And so literally these words are interchangeable. The son, the word, the seed, they're interchangeable. Whenever you, whenever you read them, you can think of it like this, God sent his son into the world. Or you could say God sent the word into the world. Or you could say God sent his seed into the earth. Now, if you're Satan and your, your, your plan is to destroy the work of God, the worst thing, the dumbest thing that you could do with God's seed is bury it. Right? I mean, do you know that scientists have found seeds in like Egyptian tombs that, that have been buried for thousands of years? They, they, they pull them out of the esophagus of a, of a former pharaoh or something. They'll plant that seed that's been, that's been in a tomb for, for thousands of years. They'll put it in some soil, little water, and boom, all of a sudden life springs up out of it. it they could be sitting dormant for thousands of years, but inside of a seed, there is life. But life is not realized until it's planted. Life never comes out until the seed is planted. Let me, let me give you a little side note here. You are a seed. 
Did you know that? You're a seed. Most people walk around full of potential. They've got all kinds of potential inside of them, full of life. But until you get planted, you'll never realize the life. You'll never, you'll never understand the potential. The Bible says in Psalm 92 that those who are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish in the courts of our God. You are a seed. So many people, they plant their lives into a career. They plant their lives into, into a sport. They plant their lives into a gang. But none of those places are going to cause you to flourish. The greatest place you can plant your life is in the house of God. I'm going I'm to tell you right now, the greatest decision I ever made was to, was to plant my life in the house of God. And you are a seed. The house of God is the place that your life can be fresh and can flourish. He's designed it for you to be, to be, to be, be fresh and to flourish. I don't know about you, but I wanna be fresh and I wanna flourish in my life, amen. But Jesus was a seed. He was a seed. If Satan would have studied biology, if he would have, if he, if he would have even had any idea about horticulture, every plant, every flower, every vegetable, every herb, every tree. If Satan would have just looked around at everything God had made, he would have realized that they were prophesying about new life. Are you with me today? Because in order for anything to reproduce, it first has to spill its seed. And a seed on, sitting there on the surface has no power. It's just sitting there. But here's the thing. As soon as the seed is planted, all of a sudden, the nature of that seed begins to change. And so it goes from an orange seed. It's no longer an orange seed. Once it's planted, it becomes an orange tree. It starts out as a lemon seed, just sitting there on the surface, but it's no longer a lemon seed once it's planted. Now it becomes a lemon tree. There's life and power in the seed. Something happens in the soil. When a seed is buried, when a seed is buried, there's a resurrection that's around the corner. So the devil, he thought he was winning. He's like, I'm gonna put Jesus on the cross. This is gonna be amazing. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna end this. I, he hated, there was so much hostility that Satan had for Jesus because we know that Jesus was a threat to his plan. It was like his competition on earth. He's like, I know what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna kill the competition. And so he thought, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna humiliate him. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give him the worst form of punishment. I'm gonna kill him and I'm gonna make him pay. But 1 Corinthians tells us that he had no idea because if he would have understood it, he never would have crucified the Lord of glory. See, Satan didn't realize there's Jesus. He's hanging on the cross. And as he's hanging on the cross, what's actually happening What's transpiring? Most people just saw Jesus hanging at the top of a, of a mountain on a hill, hanging from a cross, but they couldn't see what was really going on because in that moment, Jesus was actually absorbing all of our sin. All of your sin, all of my sin, all of my past wrongdoings, ungodliness, all my transgressions. Jesus is actually absorbing my shame. He's absorbing all of my guilt. And what was happening in that moment, no one could see it, but what was going on is he was extracting it from us and he was placing all of that on the cross. He was placing it on Jesus. Why? Because Jesus came to be the lamb that was slain. Are you with me today? He came to be the sacrifice so that God could redirect the wrath that we deserved. So God could redirect the judgment that I deserved. He could re redirect it from you and redirect it from me and, and place it towards his son on the cross. You know what happened that time, at that moment? Jesus took the full blow for me. The full blow of the judgment. The devil had no idea what was happening. He had no idea. He just thought he was killing God. When Jesus finally took his last breath and said, it is finished, Satan thought, this is awesome. Incredible, fantastic. Let's put him in a tomb. Let's roll a stone in front of it. And then he started to get a little worried. Let's put some soldiers around the tomb. That's kind of weird. Like you don't often see that. You know what I mean? You don't, you don't see that. You don't see like, you know, I know my good friend of mine, Joe, works at Rose Hills. I don't think they, they like bury someone and then 
place some, some soldiers around it just in case the guy that's dead doesn't stay dead. Like, that's weird. So you know that, all, that, that Satan's plan was getting a little bit jacked up. You know, like all of a sudden he's beginning to kind of second guess because he begins to realize, like, 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 when you put a seed into the ground, when you bury a seed, when you put a seed into the ground on the third day, it's coming up. It's, it's coming up. And it, you, know, you, know what, you know what Jesus was? He was that undefeatable spirit. Jesus is the undefeatable one. Are you with me today? Now, I want to tie this all together, okay? The story we read earlier, I want to put that picture back up there. Moses goes to the top of the mountain. I want you to just look at this for a second. Moses goes to the top of the mountain. He's got the rod of God in his hand. And what he's doing in this moment, it doesn't look like much. But what's actually taking place right there is he's interceding for those that are down in the valley fighting it out. And so as long as his hands are lifted, the Israelites are winning the battle. But as soon as his hands begin to drop, all of a sudden Amalek begins to, begins to kind of take over. And, and so all of a sudden, you know, you know Joshua begins to notice this. Because Joshua's, Joshua's fighting it out and he looks up and, man, we're jamming right here. We're, we're taking ground. And he looks up and there's Moses. Then all of a sudden what happens is, is he starts to, the, the army is getting forced back and he looks up and he, he's seeing Moses starting to droop. I mean, it's a long time to kind of, for an old guy like that to kind of keep his, his hands up in the air. And, 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 he, and all of a sudden he began to realize there's something happening on that mountain that's making a difference down in this valley. You know, Aaron and her also saw this. They were up with Moses up there and they began to notice, hey, when, when Moses got his hand up, we're winning. When his hands are dropping, we're losing. You know, I think if I was Aaron or her and I saw Joshua and them starting to struggle in the battle, you know what I think I would have done? Is I think my first reaction would have been to go down to the valley to help them. Like that seems like it'd make the most sense. Like, like those guys are, they're tired down there fighting in the, ba in, in, in the battle. You know, I, I don't want to leave them all stranded. I'm, I, here I am, I'm a well-bodied man. I could go down and help, but that's not what they do. Because they recognize there's something happening on the mountaintop that's, that, that, that's doing something down in the valley. And so what they do, begin to do is they begin to lift up the hands because they recognize victory is won on the mountaintop and then it's realized in the valley, all right? So Joshua, he's fighting, he's noticing this and he sees what's happening and, and the Bible says they hold his hands steady just like that until the going down of the sun and as a result, Israel experienced a great victory. This... This is actually a picture of Jesus concealed. This is what I was talking about earlier. This is a picture of Jesus concealed because something took place on the mountain in between God and the battle that people couldn't see. As we read earlier in Hebrews chapter seven, the Bible says that Jesus on the hill of Calvary, when he died on the cross, the Bible says he was making intercession for us. And so there is Moses is up on that hill and he's making intercession for the, for the battle that was taking place in the valley. That's a picture, and I wanna put the next picture up there. That's a picture of Jesus as he was on the hill of Calvary with his arms stretched open, making intercession for us so that we in our valley, come in our battle could be undefeatable, undefeatable. You are undefeatable because of what Jesus did on the mountaintop. Are you hearing me today? Come on. I remember, remember earlier I was, I was talking with you about, about Cain and his righteous brother Abel that he murdered. And the Bible says that, that Abel's blood, it cried out from the ground for justice. You know, the, the Bible tells us that in Romans 3, it says that we've all sinned and we've all fallen short. How many recognize that to be true? Romans 3 also says that there's none of us that are righteous, not even one. There's no one in here that's righteous. And the Bible teaches us that even Satan, Satan was created to, as an angel of light. His original name given by God to him was Lucifer, which, which, which means light bearer. But we know the story that, that Satan rebelled against God, disobeyed God, pride, began to rise up inside of him. The Bible says he was cast out of heaven. And instantaneously, instead of being a light bearer, 
His name was changed. He became the prince of darkness. His name was changed to Satan, which actually means accuser. And so if we read our Bible, if we believe what it says, the, the Bible says that Satan is nonstop standing before the throne of God and he's accusing you and I night and day. He's, he's there every, every day, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and he's telling God why Ray can't, doesn't deserve to go to heaven. And he's, he's laying out all the evidence, Ray. Exhibit A, B, C, come on. Exhibit one to infinity. He's laying out all the evidence why Ray has no business being in heaven. And then he, and then he, and then he looks over and he sees, he sees Jordan. He's like, man, for sure, that guy, no business being in heaven. He, that's what he's doing. He's, he's constantly, and, he, and he's, he's not stopping. It's day and night. He's accusing, he's saying, Adam has no business being in heaven. Did you, did you, you see how impatient he is? You see when the guy cut him off on the free, you see what Adam did. He doesn't deserve to be in heaven, all right? So Satan's standing there. He's bringing evidence for all of us. Day and night, exhibit A, exhibit B, one to infinity. He's constantly presenting the evidence. And here's the thing. The evidence is actually pretty overwhelming against us. All right? I mean, if you just look at the evidence, he's right. Like, like he's right, but, but here's, here's what I want you to understand. That just like Moses stood up on the mountaintop making intercession for a day for the battle that was happening in the valley so that they could have victory just like that. Jesus also went up on, onto the mountaintop so that you could have victory in your valley. Yeah, he's your intercessor. And here's the thing, de the devil is so dumb. He's so dumb. You know, go back to that first picture. You, know, you, look, at, you look at this picture, and, and, and I mean, this is, the, this is Jesus concealed right here. And if the devil just would have looked at what happened and what took place here, he wouldn't, he wouldn't have done what he did. Because in order for the Israelites to have victory, they had to hold his hands up. Satan is so stupid, he nailed Jesus' hands up. Jesus couldn't put his arms down even if he tried. Impossible. Even when he was weary, he, his hands were lifted until the going down of the sun. Jesus, Jesus stayed there. He interceded on our behalf. And on the cross, he said, it is finished. And according to Colossians chapter 2, the Bible says, he wiped out the handwriting. What's that talking about? It's talking about exhibit A, exhibit B, exhibit C, exhibit 1 to infinity. He's wiping it out. He, he, the Bible says he wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us. He took it out of the way and nailed it to the cross. Come on, somebody. He's an undefeatable one. You have an undefe undefeatable spirit because of what Jesus did on the mountain. Now, I want you to think about something. So Cain murders his, his innocent brother Abel and God confronted Cain. And, and, and the reason he confronted Cain is because the voice of his brother's blood was, was screaming out from the ground. But I wanna tell you something, there was no one that was more righteous, more holy, more innocent than Jesus. No one. God actually describes Jesus when he was getting baptized. He says, he says this is my beloved son, with whom I am well pleased. Who's he talking about? He's talking about Jesus. No one more righteous, no one more innocent, no, more, no one more holy, and yet suffered the most violent, most vicious, most horrific death. Now, the reason God allowed this to happen, focus in. The reason God orchestrated this whole plan is because when you have someone who least deserves to die, when you have someone that's so righteous and so perfect and so holy, when you have someone like that so brutally and horrifically murdered, imagine the scream. Imagine the decibel level of the blood of that person. And so while Satan is screaming accusations against you, guess what? God can't even hear it. Because the decibel level of the blood of Jesus is screaming out, justice, 
mercy, forgiveness. And the decibel level is so loud. The accusations that Satan tries to throw against you, God can't even hear because an undefeatable spirit, because of what Jesus did on the cross, because he made intercession for you, you have the spirit of God inside of you. And that's why it's so important that you hear the good news. That's why, why we preach the good news, because, because it's not enough that you just hear it, but you've got to learn that you must receive it. You've got to receive it. The Bible says that when you receive Jesus into your life, you become born again. You become born again. The same spirit, as we read earlier, that raised Christ from the dead comes inside of you. And a lot of times people come and they say, well, wait a second, what if I'm a good person? What if I'm a good person? I've never really done anything wrong. I've never gone to jail. I never, I never, I never smoked any dope. I wasn't in a gang. Like, that doesn't describe me. I'm, I, I've been pretty good my whole life. Or maybe you say, well, look, I got a cross on my neck. Today, I even got cr earrings, crosses. I'm wearing these things. These are cool. Like, isn't this, isn't this good? Or, you know, well, hey, I go to church all the time. Here's the, here's the problem. You can't take those crosses to heaven with you. Like they do no good. They look cool now. Some of you even got tattoos of crosses. Awesome, incredible, great job. But you, you just can't, you can't take, you can't take that to heaven. And, and, the, and the fact that you're a good person is good. Like that's nice. I mean, you do a lot of nice things for people, all right? You, 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 you know, you, you, you do good works and all that stuff. That's great, but listen, that's not enough. The Bible says we're all sinners. We fall short. That sin separates us from God. And the fact that you go to church is great, but, but God's not taking role. That's how, God's not gonna be like, you know, you missed three Sundays in, in 2021. What's going on? Like, it's not like that. That's not, that's not what God does. That's not, that's not gonna even matter. At the end of the day, it's none of those things. It's, it's have you received this spirit that God freely gives to you? Are you, have you received the victory that was won on the mountaintop? It's offered here in the valley. It's offered here in the fight that you're in. You're, you and I are both in. Here's the truth. If, if there was any other way that any of us could have been saved, Jesus would never have gone to the cross. Like if there was something that you could do to save yourself, Jesus never would have done that. And that, that was, that, that, he even said, God, if there's any other way, Let's, 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 let's bounce from this plan. But, but God said, there's no other way. You are the perfect sacrifice. He died like that because someone had to silence the power of the accuser. He died like that because someone had to take out the power of sin. He died like that because someone had to defeat the devil. Can I tell you the greatest thing that I've ever done is give my life to Jesus. I gave my life to Christ 34 years ago was a young man when I gave my life to Christ. But when I did, and, I, and here's the truth, I'd been going to church my whole life. I'd heard so many sermons. I'd been, I'd been involved in so many Easter Sundays. I even sang with my parents on stage, Easter Sunday. Horrible, horrible Sunday. We stopped that a long time ago. But I mean, I, I knew what God's word said. I'd been to Sunday school. I, I, I'd, I'd seen all of that. But, but listen, it wasn't until I made a decision to surrender my life and recognize I need a savior. I'm, I'm tired of fighting this thing out on my own. It wasn't until I gave my life to Christ that all of a sudden the greatest, the greatest joy and the greatest peace and the, the greatest confidence, he just came inside of me. I began to see what I couldn't see before. I began to dream, I began to dare to dream. I, be, I began to, 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 to believe God. And, and here's the thing, I've, I've walked for God for 34 years. And I'm gonna be honest with you. If I had a thousand lives, if I had a thousand lives, I'd give every last one of them to Jesus. Because you, nothing compares to a life that's been changed by the power of Jesus. Nothing, nothing in this world can satisfy what God does when you give your life to Christ. Don't believe the lie of the devil. What Jesus has for you is the very best. John 10.10. 10. The Bible says that the thief comes to, to steal and to kill and to destroy. But Jesus says this, but I have come that they might have life and they, that they might have it more abundantly. How do I know this is true? I'll tell you how. Because I'm living a life that's way above my pay grade. 
I'm living a life way, way beyond anything I ever hoped or imagined. I look at the things that God's allowed me to be a part of and, and, and I'm blown away every time and it's the same with you. When you take your life and you place your trust in Jesus, you'll be blown away with what, what God will do with you. And here's the problem with trust. So I say the word trust and some of you are like, man, I, it's hard for me to trust. You know, I, 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 I was, I was I've, been, I've, been, I've been betrayed. People that I trusted have hurt me. So a lot of times when you hear the word trust, you're like, I don't even know if I can do that. I don't even know if that's, that's possible, but I wanna tell you something. If you, can, if you can trust, when you completely say, you know what, I'm gonna trust Jesus. I'm gonna place my trust in Jesus. It'll be the most rewarding thing that you'll ever do with your life. And how does trust, how does it work? Trust starts with a decision. It starts with a decision, a decision that I'm making. You know, people have let me down. You know, people have hurt me, but, but I'm gonna make a decision today. I'm gonna put all of that to the side. I'm gonna trust Jesus. And here's the truth. He'll never let you down. He'll, people can let you down. The world can let you, Jesus will never let you down. How is this possible? How do I get this? Here's the scripture for you. Romans 10 says this in verse nine. Let's let me put it up on the screen. You see, the scripture says, whoever believes on him, you could translate that trust. Whoever trusts, places their trust on him will never be put to shame. How do I put my trust in him? Well, in just the, just the verse earlier, it says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and if you believe or trust in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. You'll be saved, saved. What is saved? Saved is the undefeatable spirit that I'm talking about. And you can walk out of here with that today. Every one of you that's here, every one of you, you can walk out of, that, out of here with that today. Maybe we could pray together. If God's dealing with you, if right now you're feeling like a pulling of the Holy Spirit, that's the Spirit of God. He's drawing you to himself. God's not willing that any would perish, but all would come to repentance. God wants to save people today. He wants to change you. He wants to, he wants to give you a new life in Christ. I wonder if we couldn't all pray today. Would you mind doing that? Would we all pray today? Maybe bow your heads and from your heart, out of your mouth, say, Lord Jesus. I thank you for what you did on the cross, the victory on the mountaintop that I experience in the valley, right here, right now. I invite the saving power of Jesus into my life now. I believe you died and rose again, defeating death, hell, and grave for me. Thank you for saving me, forgiving my sin, and changing me. And make a decision now that from this day forward, I'm living for you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've prayed that prayer for the very first time, I want to welcome you to the family of God. I want to tell you right now that all of heaven is going crazy. They're jumping up and down, kind of like what we were doing earlier, just, just like on steroids. They're, they're going nuts. They're just, they, they, they can't even contain themselves. They're so over, over the hill, so, so excited about the decision you've made for Christ. And what's happened, what's, what's to, the reason they're so excited is because what's just happened is a miracle's taken place. That old things have been washed away. Everything starts over brand new, starts over fresh. I want to welcome you to the family of God today. What a great decision you've made. Come on, give yourselves a big round of applause. Amen. There's a man right here and his wife, Mark and Eileen, they're, they're gonna be right here in the front. If, you've, if you prayed that prayer for the very first time, we have a gift for you. We wanna give you a book called Following Jesus to help you as you, in your relationship with God as you begin to learn what it means to follow Jesus. A very simple book, it's a great book. I love this book, Following Jesus. And we just wanna, be a, we just wanna assist you in, in your life, your new life, your undefeatable life with Christ. Christ. Come on, can we stand to our feet? Can we worship the Lord just for a few moments? Thank you, Lord. God, we thank you for what you've done. We thank you that on Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, we can celebrate the undefeatable spirit. Lord, that, that you, we're no longer are captive to sin. We're no longer bound uh, to our past. But Lord, you've set us free. Lord, you've given us the victory. And Lord, we now, Lord, even though we're fighting, even though we go through trials and, and different things in our life, we recognize, Lord, that the battle has already been won. Lord, that you won it on the cross, on the hill of Calvary, Lord, so we could celebrate in the valley. So we give you praise. We give you glory. Come on. Come on. We give you glory in Jesus' name. Come on. Lift your hands. Let's worship the Lord. Can we do that? Thank you. Come on.